And now, I'd like to introduce tonight's moderator, Ms. Marielle Garza. Marielle Garza is opinion editor of the Los Angeles News Group, nine daily newspapers in the greater LA metropolitan area. She has been a working journalist for more than 20 years. She joined the LA Daily News in 2001 as a reporter covering the Han administration, became a writer for the editorial pages, editorial page editor, and in 2012, editor for all the Los Angeles News Group opinion content. Please give a very warm welcome to Marielle Garza. Thank you, Dulce. Wow, there's so many women here, and some men. Thank you for coming. You have to promise not to t give any secrets away after, after tonight's event. Um, I imagine that you're all here for the same reason I am, because you're somewhat mystified why in the 21st century, in one of the most progressive cities in the world, perhaps, um, there are so few elected women in City Hall. I don't know the answer, but I'm hoping that these three fabulous guests can help us start to figure out what is going on in LA. So let me tell you about uh, our guest tonight. First we have on the, on the far end is Robin Kramer. Um, I don't know these people. So I'm guessing she doesn't need an introduction. I'll do it anyway. Uh, she was chief of staff to uh, both Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa and um, Mayor Reardon. So she's been in City Hall for a long time, has had a great view of what's going on. Uh, she's also the first woman to hold that position. She's held senior executive post at the California Community Foundation, the Broad Foundation, Coro, Southern California. She was a Los Angeles Port Commissioner and is currently a senior advisor to the Annenberg Retreat at Sunnylands. Thanks for joining us. Uh, next to her is Alice Walton. Alice Walton is a, a longtime City Hall reporter um, who started at the, uh, the City News Service in City Hall in 2005. Yes. Um, and started her, her own blog called The City Maven. Many of you, I'm sure, subscribe to it. It still exists today, but she was recruited a, not too long ago to KPCC Radio, where she now does a political report and puts together radio stories. Uh, in addition to all of that, she's so busy, She's also the current president of the Greater Los Angeles Society of Professional Journalists, SBJLA, mm -hmm. and a part-time faculty at Cal State Northridge teaching um, young journalists. Okay. So welcome back. Yeah. And next to me is Linda Griego, who has overseen several entrepreneurial uh, ventures in Los Angeles over the uh, last decades. Most recently, two bakeries, uh, one in downtown and one near USC, called Echea Cafe and Bakery, which sound like fascinating and yummy places. Um, <laughs> she's been a deputy mayor of Los Angeles under um, uh, Tom Bradley, uh, CEO of Los Angeles Community Development Bank, President and CEO of Rebuild LA, that was the agency that was created after the riots to rebuild uh, um, or to do the economic recovery following the uh, 1992 riots. And in 1993, 20 years ago, she ran for mayor of Los Angeles, so she's had an inside view. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Let's give it up. Now, before we get into the whys and the hows, let's talk about the bigger issue, and that is the so what. Why does it matter uh, what the gender is of our council representatives, of the people in City Hall? Does it? Anybody? 
Who, who wants to start? Go ahead. Robin? Sure. Well, I mean, a lot of reasons. First of all, the world is made of men and women, and decisions that are made at the public table should be inclusive of all views. Mm -hmm. And uh, not just of those of gender, but of sector and experience, um, of racial and cultural background, because the decisions are better. You know that expression, where you stand depends on where you sit? Well, it's really true. And so the, the democracy is richer, not to get sappy about it, mm -hmm. and the decisions that are made are better when we err on the side of inclusion. That's how I see it. And that yeah. I, I can't, I, I totally do, uh, agree with that because it, it, <clears throat> bringing in perspectives, different perspectives, is always, is, is always going to make the decision making much, much better. And um, I think that uh, when you include women, when you include uh, people of color, when you, it, you, you just come out with a better, a much better product. But I would argue that our, our, many of our elected officials um, have a very uh, um, female-centric view. Uh, they've got they've got women on their staff. So uh, again, just give me a give me a, a deeper look into why it might make a difference in um, around the city council rotunda. Alice, you you're there every day. Yeah, I mean there Tell are us. local issues where women will make a difference, and it's not just the big national issues that we think about. Um, a couple months ago, I talked to former councilwoman Joy Pikus, who was mm -hmm. on the council in the 70s and 80s. And she talked about looking at things like maternity leave, childcare, equal pay in City Hall. Um, those were things that were not being talked about by her male colleagues. Um, even now we see this. We were talking beforehand about a study that came out of Europe where cities looked at how men and women use public spaces like parks and subways. They use them differently and then that influenced design. So maybe you have a wider sidewalk for strollers or you have better lighting for safety. Um, so it's appreciating the different viewpoints that men and women bring to the table. And there are things locally that they look at differently. Do men and women govern or legislate in a different way? Robin, you've been inside City Hall and, and worked for two men. Uh, I think it's very hard to use, you know, one paintbrush mm -hmm. for a, you know, for a whole, uh, you know, a whole class and gender of people. But I will say this: I think, in general, women handle power differently. I mean, politics is the art of the possible. Mm -hmm. In general. Um, Women are in, you know, a lot of studies done about how women and men communicate. Uh, women communicate to build rapport. Men communicate to report. And um, so I, I think it's what, it's, what, it's, one, it's what one's life experiences that you bring to the table. And uh, being concerned with family issues, uh, with business issues, with equity issues. Uh, with opportunity issues. These are not only the domain of women, but women in general seem to bring these issues to the fore quicker, deeper, and with uh, greater passion. I, I think it's also mm -hmm. because historically, women have run for office to change the world. And may maybe that has changed some, but um, I am not 100% sure that's the reason men run for office. Well, Linda, maybe you have yeah. some perspective on that. Well, um, something we were talking about earlier, I think that uh, why we don't have more women mm -hmm. running or interested in running, I, I think we have to um, take a look at you know, what, what, you know, what makes a city run, and it's economic development, right? It's a, it's a job base, it's a tax base, 
And you don't see very many women in those positions. Uh, and those are usually jumping off because um, you know your community. And I think that, that City Hall, while, while you do have, um, I don't think that they necessarily govern differently. I mean, I, don't, I think I've, you know, w women politicians can be very similar to males in certain aspects and the, and the vice versa. But I do think what is it on the, on, on the ground level that uh, allows for kind of getting started into why do you want to change the world? And, and, and what does that, I think for a long time, it was very much if you have one woman, you don't need any more. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't, I see us right now um, kind of retreating back to, I, I think you mentioned that in 2001, we had five women in the city council. Uh, and today we have one. How, how, how did we allow that to go back? And is that because we just didn't have the, the pipeline? Um, we're, not, we're not building the pipeline? Mm -hmm. But what is it in, 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 in men that, that go into politics that are involved in, I think it's a lot to do with the economics. It's, and I, that's Money. just my own perspective. One of the reasons I ran for mayor was because you know, I, I really believe you've got to have jobs. You've got to have, it, it runs across the, you know, building a tax base, but it's more than that. You won't have gang problems if kids have something to do, if they have jobs. And, and I just really felt that we got very involved in um, problems that Los Angeles has had that had nothing to do with building a job base, because the job base to me really Will, will define how prosperous, uh, um, you know, a municipality will be. All right. Well, Alice, maybe you can set the stage. Just mm -hmm. tell us where we are. Give us, a, give us your view of, of City Hall um, and, and, and give us a little history. How does it compare to 20, 30 years ago in terms of the, the gender equality? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, we have one woman on the LA City Council mm -hmm. who was elected just two months ago. Um, our mayor, our city attorney, and our controller are all men. Um, when I was looking at research earlier this spring, you know, fewer than half of the mayor's commissioners were women, and I think only about four um, council chiefs of staff at that time were women. So it's not just who's actually you know, on the ballot, it's who's kind of behind the scenes there at That's City right, Hall. Um, our first councilwoman was Estelle Lawton-Lindsay back in the 19-teens, um, but probably most people are, you know, are familiar with Roz Wyman, who was the second woman elected to the city council, and is still a very active figure, I would say. Um, and then we had, you know, a fairly steady stream of women in the 70s and the 80s coming through. Um, right, and the most that we've ever had at one time is five women on the council, which is a third of the council. So still not equal if you're looking for the gender balance, but that's about as far as we got. Um, the past couple of years, you know, you had three women, and then, you know, some of those women went on to higher office. Janice Hahn went to Congress. Uh, Wendy Gruhl went on to be controller. Then you had both Jan Perry and, and Wendy Gruhl running for mayor. Um, but they weren't replaced by women on the council. You know, each of those women was replaced by a man, um, and that's how we now have one woman on the council. What did the political look, landscape look like in 1993 or in the years before you ran for mayor? Um, I think that there was, from my perspective, um, a lot of enthusiasm about running. I, at that time, there were a lot of um, the, you know, sort of women's political caucuses, um, encouraging women to get to get involved. Uh, 
looking at, at mentoring uh, women that wanted to run for office. I, I, I remember being very um, encouraged to run by women uh, when I was deputy mayor. And I was not necessarily, I mean, I, not disinterested in running, but it, it wasn't my why I went to work for Tom Bradley. Mm -hmm. um, but I also c came from a, from a background, my grandmother raised me, and she was very active in the community, and her thing was, you know, don't complain, vote. And so she always said, you know, you, you go and change things if you don't like them. So I always had in my mind that if women um, got involved, you could make a difference. And for, for, for one of the things that I saw in the early 90s, um, you know, women wrote the checks. And, and, and they, you know, they, they had events for you. Um, I was very, very, I don't think that I would have run had I not had the encouragement of women uh, basically pushing me to do it. Also men. I mean, I had a number of people who also were in my campaign were involved in, in, in helping me get there, but I think those early supporters meant a lot to me, and they, I would say the majority of them were women. Seems like we should be, it was 20 years ago, that, that, that we should be even more advanced at that, since that point. But so what, what happened um, so, so, so in I, those last 20 years? So, I don't, so I don't know if, um, in, back in the early 90s, it was a lot of face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. uh, you met people, you talked to them. Today it's a lot of, you know, you're, you're on your, your Twitter and your Facebook. Women and are good at that. And, you know, so. but, but we're not, <laughs> we're not connecting uh -huh. in the same way. And politics is about connections. It's about, okay. you know, eye to eye. And I, I just don't know if we're just getting away from that and it's now more dialing for money. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, I, probably daily I get half a dozen requests for, you know, send a check to this great person running in Oklahoma or running in New York. I mean, it's, it, it's, we're, we're now global. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of, I think that has, we used to be much more, um, more, more LA centric. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew our communities, who's where, who's working for, for which council member, who, who's looking like they're, they're going to be uh, running for controller or whatever. I, I, I think now we're looking at, you know, what happened in the New York mayor's race. I mean, there's just more, I don't know, Robin, if, you, if the two of you agree with that, but I, I really do see we just have so much more information today and we're more um, dispersed in that way. Robin, do you have a theory? Well, I always like to kind of step back and kind of look at the bigger uh -huh. picture and what we've inherited. So I dusted off the uh, senior thesis I wrote in college. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And uh, it was a biography of a campaign uh, of a woman named Arlene Matthews, who was a Democrat, who was a consumer advocate and a very feisty little woman. And she ran against a guy named Barry Goldwater Jr. So she was the Democrat, he uh -huh. was the obvious Republican. And uh, she got whooped. And the, the lesson of that year, which was Win With Women, 1974, um, the takeaways that I wrote about were that women ran as sa sacrificial lambs in seats they could never win, in part because of reapportionment, that women will over time be more successful running for seats close to home, like school board, not those with power and influence, uh, that women cannot raise money, and the seats that, re that have the most power require the most money because you have to, have to go through a campaign to win, <laughs> to be elected to serve and govern. Sure. 
and that at that time the view is that neither party would support women, um, e even though they had clean images, and that was a great thing, and that finally that women would not vote for women. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about it, a lot has changed uh, at the state and federal level that ought to inform what we're thinking about. I, I think those five women on the city council, that was a sad but cheerful aberration because yeah. nationally only about 18 or 20 percent of those who serve in Congress are women today, even though in California our two U.S. senators <laughs> are women. Hillary Clinton ran for president, ran a credible race, raised a lot of money. Uh, served with distinction as the Secretary of State at the time you were talking about. Yvonne Burke ran for Attorney General, maybe many of you may remember that. And it was a big deal because she was running for an office that was called a general. And the view was that a woman could never be in a, you know, a general, let alone an attorney general. And now the Attorney General of the state sure. is Kamala Harris. So. Um, <laughs> On the one hand, you could say that things have changed. We do have equal opportunity laws. Mm -hmm. But it, with the same brush, not only in this sector, but we were talking about in, on the corporate boards, in positions of influence in business, women are not found in the kind of numbers that we would all hope. So. Um, That's really depressing. It's depressing. Thank you. <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> So, so basically, Los Angeles is part of the national trend. Um, as you said, there's less than 20% of Congress women. Um, New York City, however, maybe that's an aberration because more than one third of its council members are women and the speaker is, is a woman, although she just lost her bid for mayor. But big um, council, not 15. This is true. Big council, big council, not a lot of authority. Well, I was, when you were, when you were um, talking, it, it occurred to me that maybe that's, that might make a difference in Los Angeles. In the past 20 years, uh, the city has become more prominent in the political scene. Um, and I wonder if that plays a, a role in who's running, who's running for uh, city council positions. When you, when you have a launching pad to the governor's mansion, does he actually have a mansion? Uh, anyway, if, <laughs> if you have a launching pad to the governor's seat, um, to any number of important congressional jobs. Um, when you have people from the state legislature uh, choosing to run for the city council, maybe, maybe there's something um, a little different about the dynamics here. Well, I think it's getting more difficult to get elected to the city council. I mean, you mentioned women running for school board, and that's where our one councilwoman is from, is the school board. We have seven council members who are from the state assembly or the state yeah. senate. Yeah, yeah. So if you are a smart, active woman who believes you can make a difference changing the world and you're gonna do that in public office, you know, how do you compete with that you know, money-wise? Those four candidates who were elected this most recent round significantly outraised all of their competitors. They had big name endorsements. Mm -hmm. They had quite the launching pad to get onto the council. You know, other council members, we have two who are former chiefs of staff to their predecessors. Um, it's very difficult to get onto the council because it's not a starting place anymore. It seems to be almost like a destination where you get a nice salary, you get to be local, you don't have to fly to Sacramento every couple of days. It's a very attractive place to be and it's very powerful. So, there's, there's the so, so I think that's part of it. It's got, I think it's gotten more competitive to well, run for council. I think in the in the ninth district, mm -hmm. in the race in the ninth district, I mean, that was probably 10 years ago. Um, 
the, you know, the, the chief of staff probably would have won, right? I mean, it would have been known in that community, but, but she, in this case, ran against a, a more well-known name, better funded, well and, and it came close, but it just, it was gonna be a real uphill battle uh, to, to take someone that's been in the state assembly or in the Senate uh, or a congressional person, um, it's, you know, they, they are, I mean, it is a great job. Yeah. And, and so that's the trend that, that we've seen. I don't, in the past, it used to be where the council was a, a jumping board to go on to something else. Now it seems like with term limits in Sacramento, you just, you know, it's a revolving door. You just come back around to, so I, so it's I, a pinnacle of somebody's career. So, 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 I mean, the, so it makes yeah. it more difficult. Um, so how do you get women to become better fundraisers? Because it is all about how much money you raise. When I ran for mayor, if you looked at, if you just put the, the list of like 12 candidates and you looked at how much money each raised, our votes came in in exactly, <laughs> The, exactly the way you raise money. So if you spent $5 million, you got the most votes, and then $3 million second, and then those of us that were in that third tier, our votes came in very, very close together. And it was about reaching. I mean, LA's big, and so you, you've got to spend your money on mailers, you know, it's just millions of people. And then even though you're in one district, mm -hmm. and television, television's not by a district, you've got to buy you know, for the, for the whole uh, metropolitan, and it's very expensive. Tom Bradley said to me when I told him I was going to run for mayor, there was big silence, and, <laughs> and he said, you know, you're starting really, really late. I jumped in the race in January, and the election was in March. Whoa. Um, and I, I made a conscious decision that one of the reasons I was, I knew I was way behind the eight ball on, on fundraising, and, but I also knew we had had uh, a major civil unrest that just really spun the city into a spiral, an economic decline, and we needed to get ourselves back on our good footing. And none of the mayoral candidates at that time were talking about building the job base. None were talking about small business. None were talking about putting kids to work uh, versus in detention homes. I mean, it just, and so I thought if nothing else, just the issues matter to me. But I, but I think that what I saw in terms of what it took, it, Tom Bradley said, you will need $3 million to make it into the runoff. And he says, I don't see how you can raise $3 million between now and March. But I think you can, uh, and, and this is where you, this was helpful. This is where you can strategize. If one of the top two that have raised three million dollars or more falters, the next tier of the three or four of you, and those were city councilmen and, and, and Richard Katz, hmm. um, somebody's got to take slot number two, and you've got as good a chance as anybody to do that. And that, that to me was like, okay, you know, I don't know that one of the top two will falter, but they might. And, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough race. It's a tough race. You don't sleep. I mean, you are on, you're, you're in a debate five nights a week. You're raising money all day long. You're at events one after the other, seven days a week. And, you know, it, it just takes a certain amount of stamina to, to, to keep up with that. But 
that's what it was going to take. I, I raised nearly a million dollars, all of it spent on a few commercials, on three commercials mm. that aired like at two in the morning. Uh, you know, it, there was no airtime left. So, uh, is that is that a big factor? Do women have a harder time fundraising? Is it because they have a harder time asking, or hard, or that that people don't want to give them money? Well, you know, I would just say that for, from for from me, uh, I am better at asking for money for others. Uh, it is very hard to ask. Even when I was doing the ask, I could never ask for the maximum, and I don't. You know, uh, my male counterparts, they asked for that maximum first and then went down if that wasn't going to happen. I had a few people, inclu including Roz Wyman, who said, you need to be asking for the maximum. Don't waste your time with that. You know, if you don't get that, but you've asked for the maximum. But it took, it took you know, a, a, you know, it was just hard. I mean, very, very difficult to, to pitch yourself. But that's what it takes. And I think that mentoring women that want that are thinking of running mm -hmm. early on i think that that you can't wait till the race is on you've got to right. do like barbara boxer did barbara boxer when she found out that alan cranston might not run she was you know threw her name in right away she was a, a new you know congresswoman and people faulted her for you know jumping the gun but you know she couldn't have made it any other way 25 dollar a person you know, uh, fundraisers, she was everywhere. And if you looked at her average mm -hmm. uh, dollars that she raised, it had to be under $50 a person. Wow. So Jan Perry, who is a councilwoman who um, ran for mayor just in this last race, said a couple of years ago in a, in a newspaper article that it's important for women leaders, political leaders, to, to find their <laughs> replacement. Um, to nurture them on their staffs, um, to identify them from commissions. Is that, is that, happening? Is that happening in the way it ought to be, Alice? It, well, doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem like it based on the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. well, how important is that? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's, it's very important. I was thinking we were talking here about two things. First of all, so who's the counterexample is Gloria Molina. Gloria Molina, you know, ran against the boys who told her, no, 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 wait your turn. And she did not wait. And also at the time, um, as Linda mentioned, there were any number of very active groups, um, women's groups supporting other women. Also, Gloria participated in a national effort from the National Women's Education Fund, which helped prepare women to get that kind of spine Perfect. you talked about to run a decent campaign, to be a good candidate, and not the manager of the candidate, to choose to be one or the other. And this is the same thing that happened when she ran for supervisor. So audaciousness is, seems to be like one of the important factors. I also went back, I guess as the resident historian here, and looked at um, all those women who have been in city council and who've retired. Two interesting things, all but one of them, their, their chief lalas were women, all of them. And also, when they left office, different from the men who've left office, none of them have become lobbyists. So there's something going on that's a little <laughs> different yeah. Yeah. about the, you know, the cloth with which, you know, the, the clothes women put on to run for office. And, and men mentoring women. Mm -hmm. That, you know, I, I know in business, and, and uh, I serve on corporate boards, 
I wouldn't be on corporate boards if there hadn't been men mentoring me. Is uh, it as bad on corporate boards as it is in, in politics? It's probably as bad or worse, mm -hmm. okay? Because you, you will, especially on, on publicly traded companies, there are very, very, very few women. Um, but how I've gotten on those boards has always been through a, you know, some, a, a, a nonprofit board where I served where I served with someone who turned out to be a board member on, on, on some corporation who would then recommend, you know, it is very much a very small circle. And, and I, I, I think that um, Alan Cranston, and I worked for him in 1969 through 76, he really pushed women in his, in, in, in his administration. I mean, he made sure that um, promotions, he looked at the whole staff as to who was getting promoted. And I remember, I, I told this story a little earlier to, to, to my colleagues. Um, I was about 20 years old and I represented him uh, on military and, and veteran affairs and was sent to the Pentagon uh, to represent him at a meeting of all the, um, the congressional staffers. And when I got there, I was turned away. And they said, at first they said, you know, you know what are you doing here? And I said, well, I have this invitation. They said, well, no women. And um, so I said, well, you know, I'm representing Senator Cranston. They said, well, there are no women here. So I looked around, and sure, it was a room of like 200 people, and there were no women. And so I got in a cab, and I went back to the office, and I went to the senator's office, and I said, you know, um, I was turned away. Um, so you need to send Bob. And he says, and as I'm walking out of it, he says, what do you mean I need to send Bob? And I said, they're not allowing women. He says, you get in a cab and you go back. And I said, well, you know, they have like guns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you're, this is like not a really a great, you know, you don't want a disturbance there. But I, so, 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 no, he says, you, you. That would be discouraging to me. <laughs> he says, you get back and you go, and I'm going to get on the phone, and they are going to let you in. You are my representative. And I did. I went back. And by this time, I'm three hours late, and of course, I've missed a lot. But there were several people in that room that said, you know, I've got my notes, you know, I'll send you copies of my notes. I mean, they were, you know, very, but I, you know, he, he made sure you were empowered by making sure, you know, what, he could have very easily said, yeah, I'll send Bob, you know, sorry, that's just Yeah, imagine things like that would actually, um, it, it would actually um, bring, out a desire to run for public office and to change things, and 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 I wonder if that uh, there were the impetus for so many women who got into politics was to uh, to be able to get equal rights, equal pay, to equality in the workplace. Is that maybe a factor? Things are things are so good now that we don't need to run for office. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks things are so good right now. <laughs> so good. But well, I just want to add one thing that you yeah. were mentioning. I was talking to another former good. councilwoman about why don't women run, and she said, I don't think it's that women don't run, it's that people don't want to run in general, but that it seems like now you need somebody like that to pull you into the political process. Mm -hmm. And it can be the person you work for, it can be a parent who's a politician, but if you don't have that connection, how do you get pulled into the process? Well, and, yes. and that can be really difficult, and that sort of goes to the mentorship. Issue. We've got some really powerful women in leadership, not elected in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, the, the most powerful, uh, the uh, head of a union, Maria Elena Durazo, um, Carol Schatz, um, uh, lots of other people who um, names I'm blanking on now, but you guys can help me out with. 
Uh, who are the other uh, Oh, like uh, Connie Rice. Connie Rice. Think about who's influential in politics in LA. Connie Rice from the Advancement Project, Elise Buick from United mm -hmm. Way. Um, but you know, we, we are not, even though we're one of the most de-democratic cities in the United States, we are not, our parties are weak, and we don't have the kind of machine, except in a few places, that um, galvanizes people to run for office, that creates a pipeline and supports them over time. Mm -hmm. um, the role that parties used to play in our, in our country, anymore. not so much in Los Angeles. And so lacking, you know, it is true, there are, there are women that are influential in the way that decisions are made in City Hall, even though they are not sitting at the elected table. Um, as we were discussing earlier, very few women are in development. Uh, I mean, uh, construction and mm -hmm. development, not fundraising. And, uh, and uh, the pipeline is, is, has not been sustained. Many of those organizations that existed when I was in my 20s and 30s, uh, to support and nurture women to run for office over time do not exist. What happened to them? You know, um, some of them went on to think about national things. I mean, there was no Emily's List, there is now. Mm -hmm. um, the Hollywood Women's Political Committee mostly contributes, uh, you, know, you, you know, nationally and globally. Mm -hmm. um, there, there, there is a, a, a group of Latinas that are organized, yeah. Hope, Hope, still Hope. prominent, still active. But I really think that there is, from the discussion, you can say that the moment is ripe for a, uh, a you know, a multi-ethnic, multicultural group of women and men, but principally led by women to recreate and create afresh this sort of pipeline to nurture great people to run for office um, and, okay. and to nurture and support great women to do so. I was at an event for, for Hope and um, I was really encouraged by the number of young women who said, in, were in the audience, who said they were running for office. They were going to run for office. They were getting their education. Uh, you know, these were you know, 20, 21 year olds who just said, this is you know, a mission, you know, I want to do this, I want to get this, uh, my background, but I'm going to run for office. So we may be surprised with a... Did they say why they wanted to run for office? Yeah, you know, a lot, many of them were um, interested in education and wanted to get involved in, in, in making our educational you know, environment better. Some of them were environment. Uh, so you know, many of them had um, issues that they, that they were very interested in. And I, I think that one of the things that I learned when I ran for mayor, you do have to have a, a broader perspective. If, if you're a one-issue person, it's very easy to sort of, you know, marginalize you. And so it is, it, 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 but then you may go the other way, which I tended to do, which was I have to know everything. So, you know, I, I, I you know, TV sound bites are like this, right? <laughs> so you can't sort of explain a whole lot of things. And so I had to really kind of um, get advice. I had to, uh, I, I wasn't going to just run, I, I had advisors who said, you know, you need to polish, you need to be more polished, you need to speak better, you need to project better, you need to, you know, I, I, the, the, just basically, um, they said it's all about television and how you're going to come across. And, the, and I think a lot of times when you come from grassroots, you're sort of like, hey, it's who I am. It's mm -hmm. just, but I think in today's world where it is, you know, you don't have a lot of time for people to get to know who you are. You do have to project, a, you know, an image that sort of says, okay, this is a person that's going to go in and 
and do something. Uh, I was quite surprised when uh, Chris in, in New York didn't win. It was her election to lose, and she came in third uh, for mayor. I, you know, because I thought she was presenting a really strong um, candidate, and I, I don't know what what ha what happened with, with her other than, you know, she comes from the current administration. But it, it it just seems to me, you know, Wendy Gruel, you know, she started out way ahead. So what happened? You know, it just it, and you can and you can go back and dissect that and sort of say, well, this, this, and this. But when you're in the middle of a campaign, it is very, you, you are listening to your advisors. You don't have time to mm -hmm. really you know, listen to everybody. And you just go with this one strategy. But I, I really thought Jan and, and we had two very strong women running for mayor. Well, maybe, maybe what's happening in Los Angeles is just, it's a reflection of something within our culture. Um, We've never had a female president, woman president. We know we haven't had a woman mayor. Um, but yet there are women presidents of all sorts of countries that we don't think of as, as developed or not developed, which are not, yeah. have, have no, have no uh, sorts of gender equality that we do. What's going on? Are we just a sexist nation? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, or, I, or are we I, less enlightened I, than? Well, than, I, no, I would not I, say I that Great Britain is evolved yeah. in yeah. a way. Yeah. Different than, <laughs> and yeah, Margaret, maybe. if you think about it, Margaret Thatcher's rise was yeah. very much like Gloria Molina's, determined, yeah. uh, and also that you, you can't underestimate the the kind of difference in party structure, the structure of politics. Look at I, I think women will vote for women, and men will vote for women when they give them a reason to. And the, the issues of tactics and fundraising and so on, I mean, uh, do matter. But, um, you know, I thought it was unfortunate that Wendy, who I, who I think is a tremendous leader, her campaign did not present reasons for women to support her, despite her long history, long history. and leadership. You know, she solved the rape, the rape, the rape uh, kit backlog. She did that, among other things. So. There, there is a difference between governing and campaigning. Um, yeah. and Since being you brought there. up the mayor's race, I just have to ask. Yeah. Was gender was gender an issue in that race at all? In the in this mayor's race. In this race? mayor's race. I, I I wouldn't say it was necessarily. Uh, I I think that when you looked at the candidates, um, you issue. couldn't just say vote for me because I'm a woman. Right. Okay. That was, and I think a lot of women did not like that if that's what came across. Uh, you know, from 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 Wendy's campaign. I, you know, I just think that I don't know that it was really uh, a gender backlash or anything like that. What do you yeah. think? Do you th I, I, I don't I mean, see I'll that. say I didn't get no the nicest clue. comments from Please listeners comment. when we talked about the fact that she was a woman and would be the first female mayor. Yeah. We get very sexist tweets back and you did. responses back. Mm -hmm. But it, it tended to be, I mean, among the ones that you can like filter out, um, well, so what that she's a woman? And like that next part for them never connected, that they didn't understand, well, okay, that's fine that she's a woman, but so what? I mean, you could argue, well, if you've never had a female mayor and you believe in you know, equality and they're equally qualified, why wouldn't you vote for right, the woman? Right, right. But that conversation never happened. Um, Couldn't quite get there. But that piece seemed to be missing. Why does it matter? And as we're talking about tonight, it, it may well matter, and there's maybe certain issues or you know, being a role model for children or creating, you know, a culture of equality, but that piece seemed to be missing. I, so I don't know. 
what that says about the city. And, and you know, when I ran for mayor, I, one of my commercials, I, I, when I worked for Alan Cranston, I was a veterans expert. And so I, one of my commercials had something about my working with veterans. And our, our campaign got so many calls from veterans. And one of them said, I used to, one of my commercials had a, me in a jacket in red uh, and 12 guys in gray suits uh, <laughs> and on these cutouts. And so um, these, these veterans that would call said, you know, I'm voting for the chicken red. And I was like, <laughs> chicken red? Um, because she cares about veterans. So part of it is also connecting with what people care about. And, 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 and then I realized there are a lot of issues that, you know, maybe as mayor, you think, well, what, what would a mayor have to do with veterans? But again, I went back to veterans, many of them don't have jobs. And so it, it was a way to connect. But it was, it was interesting to see how, where you got, you know, how, how your commercials came across and what you got and response from those. Mm -hmm. So what are the prospects now? Alice, we've got a couple races coming up. Give me some good news. Um, <laughs> you have a couple of women who have filed to run in 2015 for the 4th mm -hmm. District seat. Uh, both of them are chiefs of staff in City Hall, so if they win, that would continue Remind that Remind us what District 4 is? Uh, District 4 is Los Feliz, uh, part of Hollywood. I think it now includes parts of Sherman Oaks. Mm -hmm. Looks very, it's okay. a, it's I'm not running. Robin's house. It's not yeah. running. <laughs> it's an open seat, right? And it's an open, seat, an open seat, which is a big deal. Now that we're deal. having these open seats, it makes it more competitive. Yeah. And you do have two women who have already filed papers, and that means that they can start fundraising, so back to that money issue. Really? Um, I think that... This is a topic that people are talking about more and more, and it gets more attention. So maybe that's a sign that you know these groups that are mentoring women are making an impact, or at least the public is realizing, wow, we really have like no women at City Hall, and maybe that does matter, and they have to start thinking about why does that matter. Um, is that the only race where there's some <sighs> there's women? other seats? I don't think the other one. Well, you, you've got right. the, uh, the the supervisor. The, the supervisors, the supervisors race. race. Right, that's you're going to have that. You're going to have quite a few. You're going to have three open seats mm -hmm. uh, next year. You have women who've already filed to run in you've those got, seats. You've got women. Can, can we talk about who's filed to run in those seats? Um, we have Hilda Solis, who is okay. running in the first. Yes. You have Sheila Kuhl, who's right. filed in the third. Mm -hmm. I think that's. And there's the question. Maybe if more, Janice, if Janice Hahn decides to run mm -hmm. for her father's former seat. Right. So. So potentially we could have three women potentially on, uh, on, on the supervisor. That sounds like too many. <laughs> <laughs> no, potentially we could. Say that? <laughs> we could. No, we that's why you have to start changing the way people think about these yeah, things because there are people who would say that and mean it. Too many. But I think it, that race could uh -huh. get three women, uh, a majority on the uh, supervisors. And what about the the state of our um, commissions? Because a, a lot of people a lot of people um, get nurtured into politics that way through commissions, through neighborhood councils. Uh, what are our commissions? They're just we've got a whole slate of new folks in them, Alice. We've got a lot of new folks. Um, a lot of people who supported Eric Garcetti in the mayor's mm -hmm. race. Men or women is a good mix. It seems like a mix. I haven't looked at the numbers. It's a mix, but they're all strong supporters of his right. who seem to be somewhat already politically involved people in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you see women from nonprofits or from other outlets like that coming into City Hall. I haven't seen the commission system lately be a pipeline for women coming mm -hmm. in. It seems like it's usually on staff. 
but that doesn't mean that that's how it has to be in the future. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that uh, Mayor Garcetti is very committed to putting uh, a fair number of women on those commissions. Mm -hmm. I know when I worked for Bradley, um, we really made every effort to get to 50, to 50%. Yeah, I mean, and we, you know, and it was interesting because it was not difficult to do as long as you didn't go to the power commissions. But as soon as you well, hit, hit the airport commission or Department of Water and Power, community redevelopment, if you had one woman on those boards, that was it. You just, that was you it. just replaced the one. And, and so uh, we brought it to uh, Bradley's attention that, you know, that that, that wasn't going to work. And, here with, and you know, partly because a lot of the supporters of, uh, in a mayor's race are put on those commissions. And if you don't have women who have putting money or raising money, they don't get the, the appointments. Well, just to, to disagree a tiny bit, yeah. uh, you know, in Mayor Viragosa's um, administration, there was a concerted effort to have gender balance and also to place women on the, on the DWP board, on yeah, the harbor, so. as I mm -hmm. served, the airport, planning, etc. Uh, a very strong commitment and the and the and good results in that regard also you know the mayor had a point of view which was that um, you didn't have to vote for him to be on a commission this is really not how they were constructed he was extremely interested in making sure that there were people with environmental credentials yeah, exactly. throughout commissions not just in one or two and to bring that policy uh, perspective throughout and um, I think, I mean, having been a port commissioner, which was fun to be an honorable instead of a staffer for a little while, <laughs> um, I'll tell you, one learns a great deal. And it's also a tremendous way to contribute. Uh, it's true. To, it's true. to city service well, without... How many women were and, on the Harbor Commission with you? Well, let's see. Cindy Misikowski is the chair. Okay. And so uh, moi. I see Geraldine Mendoza, who also served. So it was three and two, or two and three? See, that, that, that was a big change. I was on yeah. the Community Redevelopment Agency board, and, and I, I replaced a woman who came off of it. And later, that became, a, you know, there were three women. Right. But, but it, it took time to do that. And I think that through the commissions, that is a really good way to, to get into, into, uh, into politics. Well, we're about to move into our question okay. and answer, but before we do, Robin, I just wanted to ask you and, and, and you too, Linda, if you have, uh, if there are any women to watch that we should uh, pay attention to who might, uh, who are just, you know, may run for a city council race or a thing, ones that have great potential. Anybody? Well, you know, I would say right now, you know, Hilda Solis has to take this seat. I mean, okay. if this <laughs> glorious seat goes to, you know, uh, to a man, I, I just can't believe we would do that. <laughs> so, I mean, but, but, but it's going to take money. It, you, it's not a free ride. And, and okay. I think Sheila Kuehl will do a really good job, and I think we should... I, I think that the supervisors race, because there, ha it's, there haven't been any openings in a really long yeah. time. Uh, I think the last one was Mark Willie Thomas, would have been, what, eight years ago, ten years ago. Uh, this is a really good opportunity, and then we do have some council <coughs> seats. The, the, the fourth district. I mean, that's one where a lot of effort can go into into uh, getting someone that is that's going to be a really good candidate. Robin, anybody comes to mind? You know, I have to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really, I I don't know. Is that unusual? I'm, yep. And so, 
And so, oh, no, I'm ending on a depressing note again. <laughs> no, so I guess, you know, no, I'm wishing and hoping. Uh, and I, I uh, you, you know, but I do have to say, I look at, I look at a guy like Joe Boscaino, the councilman of the 15th district, local, you know, LAPD officer, you know, salt of the earth, grew up in the community, has relationships. Um, I think there are women and men. I think there are women like this in every part of the city and who ought not be discouraged by the fact that they don't have money for television mm -hmm. because they know the community. They were raised right. And um, so I'm an optimist. I just okay. don't know who they are. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Now, now it's time for your questions. Hi, Emily Williams, former political staffer for the city of Los Angeles. It seems like there are four major sources for the current city council, and they tend to be the state legislature, the school board, LAPD, and political staffers. So instead of kind of fighting the system and saying, hey, where are our neighborhood councils? They're not producing people for the council, or they're just not, they're not successful in running, maybe we should look at some of the deputy chiefs over at LAPD, like Sandy Joe MacArthur, who would make an excellent candidate, or some of the school board members, um, like Tamar Galatson who is used to running and having to raise money and also knows the city system really well. And maybe it's time to groom them. So what I wanted to find out was, you just asked, who are these people to look at? Would those be reasonable people to look at and how do we encourage them to run? We do know that Tamar Galatson did run for city council and, and lost to a man. Um, she's right, I mean, those are the yeah. four pots where everybody comes from yeah. on the city council. One thing that really struck me going back to Wendy Gruel's campaign um, was the amount of criticism she took for the ads that were run not by her campaign but by the DWP that were hard hitting against Eric Garcetti and some of them may have been open to some question as to the accuracy but at the same time, like it or not, negative campaigning is a part of political life and as long as those ads are perceived as effective, they are likely to continue. And yet she seemed to take a lot more personal criticism for those ads when a couple of years ago a um, school board race in the Silver Lake area had two candidates, both men, who had independent supporters running ads just eviscerating each other. And the tone that the reporting then was sort of, oh, isn't that a shame? That campaign has turned negative. Whereas with Wendy it seemed like, oh, how awful. Why aren't you denouncing these bad ads? It just seemed like women are still being held to a higher standard. So, and nobody was talking about this. It didn't seem like, I didn't see any commentary in the media calling out the people who were criticizing Wendy for saying, hey, you know, you're holding male candidates to this high standard? Because you sure didn't two years ago in that school board race. So I wonder if you could address that. Good point. Double standard? Is there one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think... People also hate the DWP, and so you can't well, ignore that. the fact. Seriously, you can't ignore the fact that because that was the union, I mean, she did not get that same kind of pushback when she got, you know, independent spending from the police union no, or the did. firefighters union. Well, she got pushback on her plan to hire more cops, but mm -hmm. but the DWP is its own beast, and I think she got caught up in that. Um, I mean, there, I felt like there was a lot of coverage on that, probably too much in terms of how much was written about the independent spending by the DWP's union in that one. I don't know if that's because she's a woman. I would say it's not. Um, I'm sure you know her staff might feel differently, or her supporters might feel differently. The tendency in recent years to really go so negative and really delve into people's personal life and you know, uncover secrets that never could have been uncovered before, or even if they were, nobody wanted to know. And, and I think that's really changed in the past, say, decade or, or yeah. two. And I wonder if women maybe have a, just don't want to go there, you know? It's they just don't, 
it, it's just gotten so dirty, the running, that they just don't want to engage in it. I wonder if any of you think that's been a disincentive to women running. I think it's a disincentive for people. <laughs> you know, not just women. Um, we were talking about this earlier. It also depends on your your own sense of and need for privacy. And uh, if you are a private, shy person, you probably shouldn't run for office, male or female. And then the question, why, why negative campaigns? Well, we have to ask ourselves why. Because they work. I'm not saying that that is a great thing, yeah, yeah. but they prove to be effective. And it's terrible corrosive for our democracy and you know, creates a, 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 you know, a terrible, unvirtual circle of people not wanting to run because of that. And then there are those that stand up and say, no, I'm going to run a different. Ours is going to be different. And um, that, again, takes audacity and courage. And there are those that can do that and do. You know, I, um, when I was going to select my campaign management and people who were going to do my media campaign, there were two choices. One is, do you go male? You know, five kinds of mailings that go out to everybody or you do television, and, and I, I couldn't afford both. If you, if you have enough money, you would be doing both, but I, I was not in that, in, that, um, in that position. But one of the things that I learned um, when I was checking out the, 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 the media advisors, I called a friend who uh, won a race in the city, uh, the um, assembly, and I said, you know, I have this great offer from someone who says they won't charge me unless I win. And he says, well, you won't know yourself when you finish <coughs> because they're out to win and will run a very negative campaign. And I just said, I'm not running for that. But I mean, the, you know, sometimes those are the, the choices that when you start to see um, the stakes are high. And, and I don't think negative campaigning is going to go away, unfortunately. I think, if anything, it probably will increase. I would like to say that um, Los Angeles African American Women's Political Action Committee, we raise monies for women who are interested in running for office, and uh, Celestine Palmer is a founder. So just letting you know, that is another organization, and we're still around. There was discussion um, that name recognition and um, money have a lot to do with winning a campaign. However, um, Nuri Martinez won with half the amount of money to former assembly member uh, Cindy Montañez. So I'm curious to know, like, what are the factors that led to her winning this campaign? She had very low voter turnout, and she knew what voters she needed to get to the polls, and she went door to door, and she got them. Yeah. And she worked her butt off. Yeah. That's good strategy. Yeah, yeah. She had a good I, you know, I, yeah, that's exactly, I remember when uh, Marguerite Archie Hudson ran, and she didn't have very much money, and, but she knew the high propensity voters, and she went after those voters and just targeted though she you know didn't do the the, the lawn signs or she didn't have the money and she won so part of it is also yeah. being very strategic hi paul kovich university of southern california getting back to the mayor's race i was a supporter of jan perry when she ran for mayor now during the 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 begin the runoff uh, Wendy Gruel ran some terribly negative pieces against uh, Jan. So when it came time to the regular election, Jan Perry endorsed uh, Eric Garcetti. She brought over a lot of women and African Americans, both, to Eric Garcetti. And I think that was one of the biggest factors in Garcetti winning the race. Would you agree or disagree with that? 
I'm not sure I can agree or disagree. I'll say anecdotally, I have heard from women that they were very upset by the Wendy Gruel mailer that discussed Jan Perry's ex-husband's money problems and that that may have caused them to flip. I mean, if that was the case, they're not strong Wendy supporters or strong Eric supporters. They're looking for you know somewhere for their votes to go. And that's anecdotally. I don't have any numbers that would show what impact that had. But that mailer has come up many times. Thanks. I work in South Los Angeles with an organization called Black Women for Wellness, and we were very excited about Holly Mitchell winning the Senate District and really looking forward to see who is going to run for her assembly seat. And right now, there seems to be a discouragement of the women in that district from from moving up to try to run for that office. So my question is, in addition to that long comment, is how do we encourage women to run for office in the, in the face of all this male power? Uh, and then can we talk a little bit also about the politics of, of race in terms of African-American women running and what that means in terms of the Democratic Party? And then also lastly, <laughs> just get it all in, is the social media perspective. I know, uh, Linda, you said something about it. it has to be face-to-face, and I actually agree with that. But I also think social media is very much a critical tool that people can use, especially if they have limited dollars. One of the things about the social media, in a way, it is, if it's used for, um, especially, I mean, if you look at these districts and who votes, because that's really what matters, is who's going to the polls, and who's gone to the polls three times in a row, or five times in a row, or whatever, whatever that percentage is that makes the big difference. Using social media will not be so expensive. Uh, in the past, it has been very expensive to do, whether it's television, and you're, not, you, you're, you're reaching a lot more than the targeted uh, audience. And so I think that the social media may actually help women in campaigns or, or, or any candidate does not have as much money as, as you might have needed in the past. Um, I think in terms of, of being discouraged about running, um, you know, if you don't win the first time, I didn't win, but I didn't feel a loser. I, I, I ended up actually, and Robin mentioned this a little bit earlier, you actually influence more by not having been elected because you had people who, who saw your, 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 your platform and then would come and ask for help or how could they, you know, or giving them advice about people they were hiring to handle economic development or whatever environment or whatever it is that they were interested in. Um, so I would encourage, I, but the main thing is to take a look at why you're running. You know, it, it, just running to run is too hard. You've got to run because you, you've got, this is what I want to do if I'm elected. And Emily's list was brilliant because it was $25 donations of tens of thousands, millions of these, of these $25. That's what made a difference. My campaign got a huge boost. I was the first non-congressional candidate uh, that Emily's List supported. And their money I could match. So when they sent me the first $100,000 with city matching funds, I was at $200,000 right off the bat. You can hire people to help you get off the ground right away. So that early money, it, it's very, very important. Yeah, I was just going to say don't wait. No, I mean, don't. Um, 
Holly Mitchell is, a, I think, going to be a very effective state senator, as she was an assembly member. But in the community, you know, um, if those who wait, others will step up. Yeah. And so, um, you know, again, the example of people that have run for city council and been successful, you know, if you look at, even though they're all very different men and women, they've organized successful coalitions, they ran for a reason, uh, uh, th they had enough sense to have a, a path forward. They hired good people and got great volunteers. They had a real strategy, and they worked like hell. But they didn't. They did not wait. Mm -hmm. And so that's. I think that's. It's a sweaty, tough thing, t and requires courage. Um, and I think every community has people like this. Good evening. My name's Joyce Rubin. Linda, I still remember your commercial. It stood out for all these years. It was brilliant, and I think there's something to be said about good advertisement or good placement. It was wonderful. My question's more for Robin. Robin, since you've been um, chief of staff for both a Republican and a Democrat, and you've sat on commissions, I was wondering if you could talk about the role of a woman, do you think it would be more difficult for you to be a chief of staff for a woman mayor? And what we could do to better gear ourselves to put us in position to run a stronger background? Like, how were you treated when you were on those commissions or in your staff position? Well, I guess, you know, um, these two men, Richard Reardon and Antonio Villaraigosa, seem like they're very different. One's a Democrat, one's a Republican, but they both love the city. And, uh, and we're very, very tireless. So no, I, I, uh, I, could, I could work for a good woman. I think I work for some good <laughs> uh, And I think, I think the way to prepare is to be involved. Uh, just, and they're meant you go where your passion is. And this is why I think folks that are involved in the environmental you know, movement, uh, in neighborhood affairs one way or another, they learn a lot about their community. And uh, I'm looking here at Michelle Siqueiros, who runs the Campaign for College Opportunity. You know, not exactly a local issue, but a local issue in every single way. And, and so if, if we had more people like Michelle think about running for office. Yeah. <laughs> I'll write a check. Our, <laughs> our community would be a better, a really much better place. But there are many opportunities for civic engagement, and running for office is just as I see it, one. Thank you so much. With that, we'll see you upstairs. Yeah.